This podcast is brought to you by Bruner Communications, your best resource for public speaking, presentation, and storytelling skills. Visit lizbruner.com and take your skills to the next level. Change your attitude and change your life. My guest today says when you make that shift, you can manifest exactly what you want and live an epic life. And he is living proof. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. My guest had a horrific accident getting sucked into a dam while water skiing, and he survived. That brush with death had a profound impact on him. He went from being a high school dropout, driving a forklift on a dock, to building a multi-million dollar global coaching company. David Nagel, welcome to my podcast. Hi, Liz. Thanks for being here. So good to have you on the show. It's been an amazing journey going through a dam. <laughs> I can only imagine, and I really want to go back to that day in 1989. You were only 23 years old at the time, and of course, that's an age when we think we're invincible. You're cruising sure. down the Illinois River with your family. You're doing some water skiing, when in an instant, that undertow pulls you under and your life dramatically changes. I can't even imagine what that day was like for you. It was shocking, to say the least. Mm -hmm. One thing about it that was really fascinating afterwards was this realization, this awareness that death can come at any time. Mm -hmm. Here you are having a great time. It's actually a bit of a break because it, it had been a busy year. My son was just born. He wasn't feeling well. My wife was tired. We were all tired. And this is, a, this is supposed to be a day off. It's just supposed to be a, a day of fun and relaxation. And one minute you're having a good time, next minute you're literally fighting for your life. Mm. You hear, you know, death is real, we're all going to die, we know that. But then when you and actually you face it for real, mm -hmm. it's something entirely different in your awareness. You're like, oh, this is real. This, this is not a joke. This is not going to happen when I'm 90. This is happening right now. Yeah. It definitely was an experience for sure. Others had been sucked into that very same dam, and yet you were the one of the few that actually survived. And I know that you've talked about bargaining with God. What were you saying yeah. to God in those moments? It was, please let me live. But it was kind of like from this idea that I admitted to myself, and honestly, Liz, this was really weird because I had never really had this self-conversation before. I realized that my problem was I was not doing what I knew how to do. Mm. When I was a student in school, it wasn't that I didn't have some intelligence. I had enough intelligence, but I was not doing the work. I didn't know why I wasn't doing the work, and it took me a long time to figure out why I wasn't doing the work. But when I'm hanging from this tree after coming out of the other side of the dam, and I'm physically really torn up, and it's just me and God, and I'm thinking to myself, I promise you, if you let me live today, I will figure out why I didn't do these things. And then I will spend the rest of my life teaching other people mm -hmm. how to do that. Now, I don't know where that came from. I never even thought about that before being in the midst of that accident. But that's literally what came out of my mouth mm -hmm. in that moment. Besides the, the fact that your body was shredded, your back was broken, and all mm -hmm. of this is happening at a time that has also been hard in your life, which you were trying to escape from on this day of having fun on the Illinois River, because you had had bankruptcy issues, your car had been repossessed, you have a wife, you have two kids to support, and all of this is happening. And I would imagine you're saying also, 
you don't want to leave your family with all these problems, all these issues as you're clinging to life. Yes. That realization as I'm hanging from this tree is if I die today, all I have left my two kids and my wife with was a bag full of problems that I created. It was my responsibility to fix them and I've left them nothing. So not only did we have problems with me being alive, they would have to then deal with these problems even worse with me not being there. Who knows, maybe it would have been better. But the idea was that that's what I would have left. Mm. Nothing good, nothing good behind it all. And that was, it was shameful for me. Like I felt, I felt really humiliated about my own behavior at that point in time. Mm. The story of how your life unfolds from there to where you are today is incredibly powerful. And it's really one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show. Too many people get stuck thinking that their lives will never change. And yet you changed your life and you say you did so by doing one simple thing, by changing your attitude. Share with us a little bit more about that. After the accident happened, it took me about a month to recover before I could actually go back to work. Thank God I was not injured in a way that was going to have this permanent long lasting injury. Like the fellow that happened before me, he ended up being a paraplegic. Mm. I go back to work and I had this idea in my mind was really magical thinking that, okay, I survived this. There must be a reason why I survived it. Well, people were telling me like somebody upstairs is watching you. Mm -hmm. You're being looked after. Don't take this for granted. Do something with it. So then I'm thinking, well, what? What do I do with this? Now, okay, God, you saved me. You let me live today. What do I do? And nothing's changing. Like everything was staying the same and not even staying the same. It's getting worse. So I have this day shortly after this accident where it could not have been a worse day. I was late to work. I was reprimanded twice before I started. My attitude was just getting more and more sour. I was very angry. I was not treating people well. It was very cold. It was February in Chicago and I was working on this dock. It was at night. And at a little after two o'clock in the morning, I was loading this truck and something went wrong and this whole pallet of food fell over and I just emotionally lost it and just wigged out. And basically I just broke down crying. I just had an mm. emotional meltdown. And I said, please show me what to do. Like I was at the end of my ropes, literally. And I'm like, I will do whatever it takes to change this. I get this, that I screwed up, but I don't know what to do to change it. And this voice in my head very clearly said, change your attitude. Mm -hmm. I had been hearing that my whole life because when I was a kid and I would get in trouble in school or not do well by my report card, they would call my parents into the office. They would say, listen, David's a pretty bright kid. The problem is he's got a terrible attitude. If he would fix his attitude, we we're sure he would get the good, good, good grades. The problem was, is that my parents didn't know what that meant. They didn't know what an attitude was. They didn't know how to even teach me how to change it. I think I probably had a mild learning disability mm. to some degree, but nobody was recognizing that and saying, hey, let me try to teach this kid how to study. It was go home, go to your room, and every day after school, you're to go to your room until your next report card comes out <laughs> and your job is to study until you fix the problem. And that was going to solve it all, right? <laughs> yeah. Later on, when I was an adult, I realized, oh, they just didn't know how to deal with the problem. That's what I was hearing. Anyway, I, in the trailer, this voice in my head says, change your attitude. And for the first time in my life, I start thinking, okay, what is this attitude thing? What is it and how do I recognize it and then how do I change it? Mm -hmm. That's where the process of the actual change began was that night with that message in my mind, 
whether that was just my higher self or that was God, you know, I'd leave people to discern that on their own, but it, it felt like a very spiritual moment to me. And then I better do something with it. And then you take that and you continue to begin to study. You study those who are successful. You call yourself an avid student and a lifelong learner. What did you begin to learn that turned your life around besides that attitude? Well, there's another step here. When I changed my attitude, what happened was what caused me to want to study. So for two years prior to me changing my attitude, I was trying to change my income, but I didn't know how to change it. I couldn't get a better job because I didn't have an education. I didn't have any skill sets that warranted me being paying any more money. So I'm stuck in this place. But as I began to change my attitude in 30 days, my income tripled. I went from 20,000 a year working six and a half days a week with all the overtime I could handle to going to 62,000 a year. So from 20,000 to 62, it happened in 30 days. And I had no explanation for it other than something about me changing my attitude had something to do with this, but I didn't know what. Everybody around me was like, you got really lucky. This doesn't happen. (laughs) Now, this is in the early 90s. I didn't even know anybody personally or in my family that was making $62,000 a year. We were a very blue-collar family, hard workers, but nobody was making that kind of money. For me to see myself all of a sudden do this, I was like, I need to find out what I did. Because if I can figure this out, I mean, if I number one, I did it. But if I could figure out and know what I'm doing, I could be as successful as I want to be. And that's what caused me to want to to learn and study. And that's where it began. And you had to want to repeat it too. And as a result of all of that, now I'm really fast forwarding. You are a business and mindset coach and you're helping all these thousands of entrepreneurs understand that knowledge, gain the confidence that they need to become successful. And a lot of that content that you coach people on is in your book, The Millions Within, How to Manifest Exactly What You Want and Live an Epic Life. I read it this past weekend in one sitting. I absolutely loved it. And there's so much I want to talk about about this. Oh, thank you. Let's start with the title because many people may assume that the title Millions Within is only about money and manifesting wealth, but it's not. Explain what you mean. It's interesting because people assume that I got into the business that I did because I wanted to make a lot of money. And it's not that I didn't, but what I really wanted was I wanted people to know the truth. And that was that everybody carries with them an individual purpose that will lead them to happiness, fulfillment, money, if they want it to be, but whatever success that they truly desire in their heart. But we're not taught that. And not only are we not taught it, we're not taught how to find it in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I became so passionate about showing people how to do this. One of the things that was also, I found out that was a passion of mine was business. I became an entrepreneur and I decided I really wanted to work with business people that were very serious about what they were doing and show them how to be extremely successful and earn the amount of money that they want and be completely fulfilled, you know, in their heart with what they're doing with their life. I love how you talk about in the book, that success is your birthright and that everything you need is right around you at all times. And the resources that you need are within you and that we're all born with a purpose. You just mentioned that a moment ago. Not only that, but we have the means to be successful to fulfill that purpose. This is really the core essence of your teachings in your book. It absolutely is. Think about something that's fascinating. If you look at all of nature, you do not see 
any form of life in nature confused about what it is or what it's supposed to do every day. <laughs> True. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, isn't that fascinating? Yet human beings with our marvelous intellect, we think we're so smart, we're so brilliant. We can't figure out what we're doing from day to day. I mean, we're screwing up the world in remarkable ways that it's like, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> we're so intelligent. And you look at the average person, they're not happy. They're miserable. They're doing jobs that they don't like. Mm -hmm. Many times they're working with people that they don't like. They're doing it for a little bit of money to be able to hang on to some security and hopefully be able to retire someday to stop doing what they don't like. And then they're at the end of their life. And I started looking around and I thought, you know, not only did, did a significant change happen in me, but I started asking deeper questions like, why are human beings the only one that have this confusion? How come an animal, which we consider dumb, which we know it isn't, but we <laughs> consider it less intelligent than us, how come it is not confused? Why does it birth into the world and instantly know what it's supposed to do and how to live in a much harsher environment than humans and it was questions like that that I was so curious about finding those answers. And then I realized that, oh, the same direction that's in a squirrel and a moose and a seal that tells it what it is and what it's supposed to do in its lifetime is in us, but nobody ever told us how to access it or that it was there. Mm -hmm. That's why the book says the millions within because it is all the resources, all the desire, everything that you want in your life. It's already in you, but somebody needs to show you how to use you so that you can access what it is that you, that you really want. Because we're not born with an owner's man, right? <laughs> we wish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, truly we wish. Well, one of the things that you also talk about to kind of get the answers to those questions, and there are two very important questions you say we need to ask of ourselves. What? do I really want? And why do I want it? And I think that those are two questions that people have a really hard time answering honestly, and thoughtfully, and without fear. Yes, absolutely. Most kids are raised being told what they want. And they're told what they're going to be, or at least firmly suggested. If it's not done directly or indirectly, it's definitely done the educational systems that we set up based on test scores indicating where their aptitude is in life. And then they're strongly encouraged to follow that, which is basically designed to move kids through our grade schools and then into university, you know, to fill seats someplace. And then they come out with a loan that they can't pay back, looking for jobs that don't even have the, the ability to pay them the amount of money that they're going to need to pay it back. And then they're all fighting for the same type of position. And, and we're growing at an astronomical rate, you know, almost 8 billion people on the planet with people not knowing what they want, but they're being forced into having to pick something because they have to be safe and they have to be able to survive. And it's, mm -hmm. it's simply not necessary if we understood what we were really doing and who we are. And that then brings it back to awareness. You talk a lot about that in the book too. And that awareness is very different from learning. And so many people move through life unaware, unaware of their surroundings, their actions, their emotions, their feelings. How do you help people become more aware? I start off with the question, asking them what they really want. And then asking another question that takes it a little bit deeper, 
which is why do you want it? And where that's coming from is, are you saying that you want something because you believe that it's going to give you some kind of security or stability, mm-hmm. or it's something that you think you can accomplish based on your past history, you know, what you know about yourself already, or is this something that you're thinking that you want because you see that it makes you happy? Like you literally find joy in it. Mm-hmm. If we listen to what our body's telling us, one of the things that we experience as human beings is joy. And joy is a good feeling. It's directing us to something. So if we have a desire that's in our heart, and it's even joyful just to think about it, that is something that is directing us to explore something. My daughter, when she was in high school, was a musician. She wanted to be a professional musician. And when they had to fill out this form and pick what their career was going to be based on the classes that they wanted to take in college. And there was nothing there for musician. And she went up to the teacher and she said, there's nothing here for musician. Should I just write it in or whatever? And the teacher said, oh, honey, listen, you, you can't be a professional musician. She's like, that's a, that's a neat dream, but you need to pick something practical. Oh. And she came home and asked me, is that true? Do I have to do that? She was literally in tears. Oh. And I said, absolutely not. And I stood by her the whole way, but they were indignant about the idea. She could not pick that. It was not practical. She needed to do something that was offered by the universities and that that was the direction that she had to take. As parents, we were accused mildly of like child abuse because we were not encouraging her to do something that was realistic in the educational system's mind. Mm. That's how much we are directing children away from what they really want and making them think that they have to accept something just because of the way we've set up the world. What I also love in the book, too, and I think this speaks back to what do I want, who do I want to be, why do I want it, you encourage people to think back to their childhoods. You know, what did they dream about doing when they grew up? And those things provide clues about not only our desires, but our purpose. So I ask you, what did you want to be when you were a kid? What did you want to be when you grew up? What were your dreams? There were several different things. At one time, I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The one class in school that I was really good at all through school was science. I didn't need to study. I just seemed like my mind clicked there. So science came very naturally to me. The only class that I would get A's in, I would fail everything else. (laughs) That's true. And the other thing was, was that I loved music, but I didn't have the gift Mm. to be able to really play. And as an adult, I felt very locked into the idea that I felt like I had a purpose, but I didn't know what it was. So because I quit school at 17 years old, I was taking jobs that I could get at the time. The other thing that I was doing that was interesting because I never thought about it as having any business acumen whatsoever was that I was having these little side businesses. Like I would buy used cars, fix them up, and then sell them with friends of mine. And we would do odd jobs like that. We would roof houses. We would do whatever we could to make a few bucks here and there on top of the hourly job that we would work. And we were young. You know, you can work forever when you're, when you're that age. But I didn't realize that I actually had a little bit of a flair for business. And with some <laughs> direction and some education, I probably could have been pretty good at it. But nobody else recognized it either. They're like, when are you going to get serious and buckle down and really do something? You know, you need mm. to get back to school. And this is before the internet. If you're going to go back to school, you're going to take night classes. 
right. those types of things. Right. I didn't have the money and I didn't have the time to do it. And then I made the intelligent decision to get married and have children <laughs> on top of it. Not even thinking, of course, about responsibility and what that is going to entail. And of course, that didn't go well. So it was not so much about thinking about what it was that I wanted. It was what I had to do. What I actually wanted unfolded because of the hardship that I went through and finding out that I thought I didn't like studying. And then here I am passionate about reading. In those days, Hmm. if you wanted to get books, it was either you went to the bookstore or you went to the library. I didn't have money to buy books at the bookstore, so I would go sit sit in the library and read biographies because I didn't know what I did and I was trying to find out the information to find out what it was. I thought somebody must know. So I'll start with biographies, people that are successful. Maybe I'll pick something up there. That led me eventually to a Tony Robbins seminar, which Mm -hmm. that changed my life because in that moment, I saw what it was that I wanted to do, but again, I didn't think I could do it. So it was just a process of about seven years of studying human potential. And then I had a lot of questions about spirituality and how religion played into all the things that we're taught because I had a lot of confusion there. I was raised Catholic and it didn't seem to match up with the life that I was looking to live. So it was finding out how to answer those questions. And then once I started to get it really tight in my mind, I said, I want to teach this to other people because if they know what I know, they can live whatever life that they want. And then I started my business in 1999. So that was like 22 years ago. You used the word a few moments ago, responsibility. Mm. And you talk a lot about that in the book too, about how it all comes down to us taking responsibility for where we are in life. And that is a really hard concept for a lot of people to say, you know, not that it's my fault, but what is my responsibility in the experience that I'm having? And that that is really the magic key that unlocks the door to success. Is this where people get stuck by not taking responsibility? Yes. And here's the reason why. So many people are raised with the idea that they're victims Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. So the moment a person accepts any kind of an idea that they're a victim their internal power, their personal power, so to speak, is now given away to either some person or a situation or somebody's history, something, but they don't have it. In order to take back your power, to give you the ability to seriously make changes in and of yourself, you have to accept responsibility for who you are, what you think, what you've done, your past, And not from a place of blaming and shaming yourself, but from a place of ownership Mm -hmm. and going, this is who I am. I accept this, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And because I'm going to take that responsibility, I can redirect my life the way that I want to do it. And the other components, I think, that really dovetail nicely into that, it is about forgiveness, also forgiving yourself, among other things, and gratitude. And you believe, as I do, making these daily habits. Yes, absolutely. The most fascinating thing, Liz, for me was when my income tripled, what I did not realize was that the opportunity for me to do that had existed around me for two years, but I couldn't see it. What I mean by that was that there was literally an opportunity that I used to hear about twice a week because it was part of the job that I was doing. They didn't come to me as part of an opportunity. It came to me as part of what I had to do every day in my job. 
my attitude was so bad that I looked at this as like, because it was a job somebody else was doing. I'm like, well, this is horrible. Who, who the heck would ever want to do this for a living? I never even thought about it as an opportunity. When I changed my attitude, one of the things that was profound for me was that I found that I was very grateful for what I did have. And as I was practicing gratitude, it was changing my perception. I started to see things differently. So instead of seeing things as something that I hated, I actually started seeing how it was benefiting my life. And that's where this opportunity showed up. And I saw it as something that I could embrace in my life. And that's what allowed me to triple my income. But what freaked me out was that it was there for two years and I couldn't see it because my attitude was controlling my perception. Mm. Gratitude takes all the things in our life that are difficult, that are hard, that maybe even are wrong, and allows us to see a different side of them. And when we can see a different side of them, it gives us options. And there are options that we didn't have before. And that's how a person can change so quickly in their life because they're literally changing their perception Again, it's one of those things that unless you're raised with, in a, you know, or you went to school and took some serious psych classes, <laughs> you have no idea how strong your perception controls your belief system mm -hmm. and the meanings that we give to things. But when it changes, then you have the ability to change everything and you change it for real and to change it quickly. Mm, I love that. I should also let people know that you have a fantastic podcast called Successful Mind Podcast, and you have crossed over 2 million downloads. What an amazing milestone. Congratulations. That's really Thank awesome. You. Thank you. I appreciate that. As you look back over your life, David, not only is it epic, but it is living your best life. Do you have one final thought to share about how we can all live that best epic life? Yeah, it is literally to be grateful for your past. The reason that I say that is because that everything that has happened in our lives has been 100% required for us, not only to be the person that we are, but for us to be the person that we're going to become. If we're not grateful for it, we can't see those things. And then what happens is that the pain and the trauma and the victimization of our past turns into the pursuit of our future. And that is disastrous. We see it in our world today. Mm -hmm. People that are consistently living in their past and some of the, the atrocities of our history in the past, without forgiving it to move forward, we can't break ourselves away from it. And, but when we do, it's glorious on the other side. It truly is because I believe that life is here to be not only happy and joyful, but to contribute to all of life in a marvelous way. But we have to accept responsibility and we have to be grateful for everything in our life. Mm -hmm. We can't just bury it or push it away, but we have to embrace it. Agreed. <laughs> Your book is so filled with much wisdom. And as I said earlier, I, I read it over the weekend. I absolutely loved it. And I, I highly recommend people read it. For people who have already read your book, I really want to encourage them to go back and reread it because this is a book that shouldn't just sit on the shelf. I do think that there's so much wisdom in here. And if people can go back and use it throughout their life, I think that that will help them unlock not only their heart's desire, but talk about what you talked about earlier about living out that purpose. So I really hope people will do that. And if you'd like to learn more about David and his book, The Millions Within, 
his work, his podcast, all you need to do is go to davidnagel.com, and that's D-A-V-I-D-N-E-A-G-L-E.com. And we'll also have a link to his website in our show notes. David, thank you for being here today and for showing all of us that we can make that change in our life when we shift our attitude. I love that. Thank you, Liz. It was an honor. Thank you very much. May David's story help you make your own shift, get unstuck, and live out your best life. I want to thank all of you for listening, and I encourage you to subscribe, review, write the podcast, share it with other people so that we may all find the courage to make that shift. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud, and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.